Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Wednesday. It's our game preview show, Rivalry Week, Crosstown Rivalry, playing for the victory bell. We're going to talk USC and UCLA, the Trojans and the Bruins, with my buddy, my pal, my partner on the Podcast of Champions. And we literally just finished recording an episode. I haven't even edited it yet. We're jumping right into this. David Woods from Bro, Bruin Report Online. David, how are you, sir? I'm so great, Ryan. It's like I haven't heard your voice in, in mere seconds. Hello, Trojan fans. It's great to see you again, speak with you this fine Wednesday evening. Yeah, we literally just talked for the last two hours, so we probably are sick of... Usually, you know, we we like talking to each other, but after two hours of our show, we don't really want to talk for a while, but here we are talking again. That's our dedication to you, the listener. Yeah, we do appreciate it. But thank you, Dave, for uh, coming on. We just wanted to do like a quick uh, preview of the game for USC fans that maybe don't know as much about the UCLA Bruins program. We just talked about at the end of our podcast of champions, and it was an interesting question where one of our listeners asked, I think it was Greg, um, hey, what would US- UCLA's record be if they kept Jim Mora instead of getting Chip Kelly? And I think both of us agreed it would be a better record than two and eight where the Bruins currently sit, but obviously the the program would be going on a much different trajectory. Yeah. I think that's, that's probably the fairest assessment because um, what happened is, and this happens with any new coach, uh, Chip Kelly cut a bunch of guys. Um, so, you know, 15 to 20 guys that probably otherwise would have been on, on campus in school are not here. And so UCLA, uh, I think Chip Kelly cited the number. They're down to like 57 scholarship players, um, including all the injuries and everything. Um, so, yeah, they, they, they've been hit by depth issues. And I think that's the defense. If you've been watching a lot of these games, the defense might start out OK and then they completely fall apart in the second half. And you can pin that a lot on just fatigue and depth. Um, and if Mora was still at UCLA, you could probably see them having more guys and maybe not falling apart in the second halves of games. and maybe eking out a couple more wins. I don't think they'd be great, but maybe four and six instead of two and eight. Yeah, I, I think that seems fair. But you would, you know, as a UCLA fan, you'd rather be where you are now. That's why you hire a guy like Chip Kelly. And dude, overall, did you expect this team to be two and eight at this point? I mean, I, I, I don't think a lot of people did. I think we thought they'd be better, but it seems like there's there's some necessary growing pains, maybe some growing pains that we didn't expect to see. Um, but I, I know I was probably more optimistic on our podcast of champions than you were, but what are your overall thoughts of how this team has looked so far to, you know, 10 games in? Yeah, I, I, I was expecting better. Um, I think he's gone the full rebuild path and I'm basically, I don't know how, I mean, and this is all second guessing and, and not even hindsight, but just, you know, basically backseat driving. I don't know how necessary it was to go the full complete rebuild, which is what they've clearly done which is just blow it all up and start again. Um, I, I think there was enough talent in the program to, 
if you watched at the beginning of the year, this offense looked atrocious, just awful. Um, wait, and they, wait, they, did they look? Um, they were ferocious. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little, little, little podcast champion sound drop for you people. Um, yeah, they were. I, I mean, they looked really, really bad. Um, and I, I thought pretty conservative and pretty predictable, um, and not at all like the blur. Um, and I think. You know, when I was thinking about this year, I was thinking, okay, it might be like blur light. Maybe they won't go super fast, but um, pretty fast and run the ball a lot and just try to out scheme people. But I think they've kind of gone. We're going to start with the very basics and work up from there. Um, So it was a different strategy from what I was expecting. Um, And so I was expecting this to be more like a. I think I eventually predicted something like seven and five or six and six or something. And obviously. that didn't happen. Um, but I was expecting them to approach it more from a let's win right now standpoint rather than let's build a program standpoint, um, which was maybe my mistake. Um, and the, you know, that's, we've never seen chip Kelly start from scratch before. Um, it's at Oregon. He was obviously inheriting a really successful program. So, uh, it's a new kind of look for him. So, uh, we'll see where it goes from here. Obviously there've been some positive signs of late though. Yeah. Uh, one of the things we talked about offline, um, I guess specifically on the defensive side of the ball first, there's a lot of injuries. I mean, what, what's the, the health of this team? You said that, you know, they, they cut a bunch of guys, so there's not as many, it's similar to what, you know, USC fans would talk about during the sanction years, how many scholarship players were left and then how many, you know, how many are injured right now? Is it, is that a real issue for this team? It is. Um, they've lost a bunch of linebackers specifically, um, Guys, a lot of you all probably know Jalen Phillips, um, star outside linebacker. He's out for the year. Uh, Josh Woods, who is slated to be a starting inside linebacker, out for the year. Uh, Chris Barnes is dinged up. He's still playing. He's a starting inside linebacker. Uh, Javari Anderson was a JC transfer. He was probably going to be in line to start after Josh Woods went down, and then Javari Anderson never played because he also got hurt before the start of the year. Uh, Keyshawn Lucer South is playing, but he's got an arm injury. Um, Lenny Toiloa and Lokeni Toiloa are both healthy, but they've had to basically split between inside linebacker and outside linebacker just as needs present. Um, I, I don't know the exact count. It's either five or six linebackers that they actually have that are fully healthy right now, and it's a 3-4. So that's that's not a lot of linebackers to spread between no. four spots. Um, so And you know they've also had suspensions. Uh, Marcus Moore, who is essentially – an outside linebacker in this system. He's indefinitely suspended. Um, and we don't know the exact reason, but violation of team rules, you can probably guess as to what, um, and it just, the, there've been just so many guys out at the linebacker spot that, um, the run defense of late has started to look quite a bit more like, um, the run defense of last year, which is to say not good. Um, They've stepped up at times. Chris Barnes has played better than last year, but um, still not uh, not a stout run defense by any stretch. Um, well, let's talk about the offense. It's not the blur. Uh, we've seen a couple different quarterbacks. Um, we've seen the emergence of a uh, former UC Davis Aggie uh, running back just come into the, the fray after. It seemed like it was a running back by committee bef- before, and now it's not. What have you like? What give kind of USC fans a, a, a background of this USC offense? What you've seen so far? I mean, UCLA offense. Excuse me. Yeah, so I think the best way to describe it would be um, kind of a multi-look uh, pro style. Um, they're not going to tempo you a whole lot. Uh, they'll do it in bits and pieces, 
But it's Chip Kelly's trying to be more diverse than he was at Oregon. Like they're definitely trying to be more of a balanced attack. Um, you know, I think the the I don't like to compare it to Washington because Washington's offense has taken a step back. But I think Washington maybe last year, or the year before, um, I think that's kind of the type of offense that he's aspiring to. Um, which, from a decision making standpoint, you could question that. I kind of question it, but I think that's what they're really going for. And of late, it started to look a lot better. Um, so Dorian Thompson Robinson, he suffered a shoulder injury um, about a month and a half ago. Uh, was out for a couple games, then came back and started a game. Didn't look great. Wilton Spate came in, and then Spate's kind of taken the job from there. He's going to start on Saturday, um, and Spate as he's gotten more comfortable, he was the starter to start the year. Um, then he got hurt, but as he's gotten more comfortable since he came back, he's looked better and better. Um, he's got a real command of the offense. Um, he is not the, he doesn't have the most arm talent in the world, but he's a pretty accurate thrower. And he, um, is really, really good in decision-making. Um, doesn't make too many mistakes. Um, can actually run the ball a little bit. I mean, he's 6'6", 250 or whatever, but he can actually move. Um, so you have to account for that. Um, and then Joshua Kelly, you were talking about uh, this guy. I mean, Tracy Pearson, uh, my boss over at Bro, uh, he was talking about him last year when he was redshirting after the transfer and said, hey, this guy might actually be the best running back on the team. And now looking at him, he might be, you know, easy top half in the Pac-12 running back and maybe maybe top third. Um, in the entire league, he's a really balanced back. Um, he's got some explosiveness to him, but I think the main thing that stands out about him is his vision. Um, and just, he's got a real tenacity running the ball. He, he, he doesn't mind running over somebody, um, real diamond in the rough finding him from UC Davis. Um, but this is going to be a balanced UCLA attack. Um, and it's, if you're expecting the blur, it's not that it's not going to be super high tempo. It's going to be, um, you know, they throw a lot of crossing patterns. Um, they'll attack you downfield and they'll run the ball in a variety of different ways. But it's not a one note thing where they're going to just tempo you to death. Um, yeah. If you talk to Joshua, ask him if he if he liked the grad. That's my cool bar on the UC Davis uh, campus from way back cool. in the day. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, yeah, it's a it's a big, that's a big deal. I, I heard him on. I think I heard him on uh, with like Petros and Money. And uh, yeah, it was interesting him hearing him talk. They actually, he played Oregon when he was at UC Davis. Um, but he, it was like, he wasn't really well. He, he only had like two carries or something in the game. It wasn't a big deal. Uh, but he looks good. He's like, he's an absolute stud. Um, Caleb Wilson too is another guy I want to talk about where it, he was at USC. His dad was one of the assistant coaches. Uh, he wasn't on scholarship. Then he goes over to UCLA after his dad uh, was, I think it was fired. And uh or he left. I forget what it was, but then, and, and he ends up being an absolute stud. I think he's led the team six games in a row, uh, with receiving yards. We were talking to practice yesterday. Do you think Caleb, uh, Wilson will get 200 yards receiving or 300 yards? Receiving? <laughs> so, uh, but maybe talk about him a little bit. Yeah. Um, Caleb's been great of late. Um, he is a much better athlete than you would think. Just kind of looking at him. Um, kind of a goofy little runner, but he can run past some dudes um, as a tight end. Um, he has improved as a blocker actually this year. Um, has gotten better and better over the year as the year goes on, which I think has actually made him. Uh, I think Chip Kelly re rewards stuff like that, and so it's made him a more featured part of the offense. Um, 
he was really, really good last week against ASU. Uh, 11 catches for over 160 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Um, he can find those soft spots over the middle um, behind some linebackers. And I know, you know, Clancy Pendergast's scheme is always pretty aggressive. Uh, if, if they're sending linebackers forward a lot and requiring safeties to cover Caleb Wilson in man coverage, that's a really good setup for him. Um, he will catch those little 15-yard passes right over the middle all game and turn them into 30-yard gains. Um, so I, I expect he's going to have to be a featured part of this offense if they're going to get those linebackers to back off a little bit from USC. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's he's been great this year. Um, I think the one thing with him is his focus can wax and wane a little bit. Um, there can be times when he just kind of looks out of it, and I think that was happening earlier on in the year. But I think as the – prospect of heading into the offseason potentially being an nfl draft pick has as you know crystallized into something real in his head he's he's turned it on quite a bit over the last uh, five or six games it's pretty amazing usc is just like struggling to get the tight ends involved and it's like this is a dude you had on your team and he's now playing for ucla you know it's kind of crazy that's a it's a crazy story it's wild. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I should mention Devin Asiasi is also on this team and he's another big time tight end and he's turned it on more and more of late. You know, a couple catches here, a couple catches there, but um, he can catch a lot of those same balls that Wilson does and he can do about the same stuff with them. So you see always got a pair of good tight ends. Um, and uh, I think that's a that's probably going to be critical in this game. Let's uh, defensively. Um, I think you've described it with some interesting adjectives uh, on our podcast of champions where, where how would you kind of overall assess the the defense for the Bruins do you have this do you have the drop ready they were ferocious yeah um <laughs> so early on in the year when they were fully healthy and ready to go um there were some things to like about the defense uh they were doing a lot of that zone blitzing stuff that Oregon used to do under Kelly um and Aliotti um where they would bring in pressure from different spots and you know, they were able to get to the quarterback. They were able to be disruptive in the backfield. Um, when Jalen Phillips went down, that kind of changed the complexion of the entire thing. He was really their one really talented pass rusher. Um, I think, you know, USC prob probably, you know, when you think about Porter Gustin, think about that for Jalen Phillips. Uh, I don't think Phillips has produced at that level, but that was kind of the impact with him going down what it did to the defense. What was his injury? Um, what was? They're they're saying it's a concussion. Oh, okay. Um, I, I don't know what it is, uh, but the, they're saying concussion um, and they're saying that's the reason he's sidelined for the rest of the year. U, UCLA apparently has a very stringent policy for concussions. Um, after a certain point, you're just shut down for the year. Wow. Um, okay. But anyway, he he went uh, he went down and that kind of changed the complexion of the defense. Um, they've still tried to be aggressive, but they don't have as many talented pass rushers anymore. Keyshawn Lucer South is basically the one guy still making the occasional play in the backfield. Um, but again, he's dinged up a little bit too. So without the prospect of making as many negative plays and plays at the line of scrimmage, the relative unsoundness of the linebackers from like a run fit standpoint is becoming more and more pronounced. Like they just, they're not always in the right position. They're not always making the play. The tackling has been really poor. Um, and, Without, you know, it's one of those defenses where it had to be high risk, high reward. They had to make plays in the backfield or else the run defense was going to get just trampled. And now that they aren't making any of those negative plays, they're getting trampled. Um, the secondary is pretty good. You know, Darnay Holmes is one corner and he 
did well, matched up with Nikhil Harry last week. Elijah Gates is looking pretty good. Uh, Nate Metters, who was a star last year, is now mostly playing nickel. Um, and he's he's pretty good. He had a rough time earlier in the year. But um, Adarius Pickett makes basically every every tackle on the team um, from the safety spot. So the secondary is is pretty decent. Um, linebackers and uh, and the defensive line is full of freshmen. Some of them pretty talented freshmen who are going to be good down the road, but freshmen. And so you'll see a lot of times they'll get just completely stood up, make no push into the backfield, and then um, there will be wide lanes through them, past the linebackers, all the way to a Darius Pickett who will make the tackle. Um, the front seven has been uh, has been the biggest issue for UCLA. And then uh, last, we'll finish up with special teams. If should USC fans, I mean, <laughs> USC fans just watch like the Oregon game from UCLA to see like some. I think that's indicative. <laughs> indicative. Or, or what was before Oregon? Uh, Utah was also really bad. There was some uh, <laughs> uh, UCLA special teams are atrocious. Do not like just pay attention to JJ Molson, who's pretty good at kicker, or Stefan Flintoft, who can really kick the hell out of the ball as the punter. Um, punt kick coverage are awful, awful, and uh, they're very prone to mistakes on on special teams. Um, we've had we've seen a few running into the uh, running into uh, the punt returner um, who's trying to fair catch the ball, like that sort of stuff. Um, there have been multiple false starts on field goal attempts, like long field goal attempts. Like there was a 47 yarder that got turned into a 52, a 51 yarder that got turned into a 56 because of, uh, false starts. Um, they're, they, they've been very bad prone to prone to giving up fakes, uh, prone to giving up touchdowns, just really just kind of across the board bad. And they don't make up for it on the other end. Um, UCLA has basically gone to exclusively uh, fair catching all kickoffs, uh, basically don't return anything, um, which I think, and this is even when teams are kicking it to like the 10, uh, they're still fair catching it, um, which is very, very uh, low risk, uh, no reward. Um, so I don't, I don't know about that strategy and punt returns. They've had a couple, but nothing great. Um, this is, this is a, this is a bad special teams. Okay, so overall, your assessment of the whole team is... They were herocious. Um, <laughs> but we just did our preview show, and USC's favored by three and a half points, and both of us took the Bruins and the points. Mm-hmm. What do we know? Why? What? Like Hearing your preview, I'm not hearing a lot of confidence that UCLA can play well, but... Well, we- the, 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 offense, the offense has shown some signs. Like, the... Of late, they've actually been pretty decent. Um, against ASU, they are pretty decent. They just couldn't finish drives, but Spates looked good. Kelly and that run game have looked pretty good. So if they can control the game offensively, that's what's going to give them a chance. Um, but defensively, I mean, th- what I'm counting on there is the USC offensive staff, um, <laughs> basically. Uh, just kind of... Oh, okay. So we're running the ball at will, getting eight yards a pop, even with our like fourth string running back, the only guy who's not hurt. Okay, let's let's throw the ball thirty times with JT Daniels over the next thirty days. <laughs> like that's that's the sort of thing I'm expecting from the USC coaching staff, which is enough that I don't know USC will only score like thirty one points. And if they do that, I think UCLA has it in them to do that offensively. Um, I don't know if they will, but I think they have it in them. Interesting. All right. Well, we'll. Uh... 
we'll see how this one plays out. Um, but yeah, thanks for the the details on the Bruins, uh, Mr. Woods. I'm sure you're sick of talking to me, so we'll uh, we'll let you go. It's been lovely, Ryan. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Trojan fans, for listening to a Bruin with a uh, with a slowly slowly rasping and, and going away voice. Yeah, D- David is uh, was a little under the weather starting the podcast two and a half hours ago. So we uh, we do give you mad props for staying an extra twenty minutes or so to talk about the team you grew up loving. Right, you you grew up a big USC fan. Am, am I right about that? Oh or? God, shush. <laughs> my my brother went to UCLA. My dad went to UCLA. My oh. older sister went to UCLA. My UCLA. This is in my blood, unfortunately. It, oh, okay. So big, big, mixed, mixed family. So like split half and half. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm a transplant, so I just you know I came to California. Just I went to USC. So yeah, you're uh, a filthy, you're a filthy Bostonian, right? Yes, Massachusetts. I'm, a, I'm a, a, a Yankee that married a Southern Belle. Like, yeah, there's all kinds of weird stuff going on. And living in LA, you're 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 now in the South. You're in Atlanta now. Oh, don't remind me. Crazy, uh, but no, David, we do appreciate it. Dave knows his stuff, uh, obviously, and we've been doing the podcast of champions for a few years now. Is this our fourth season or is it third? We started in uh, the off season before the 2015 year. So whatever that is, I'm not the engineer. You count. Yeah, that's our fourth, 15, 16, 17. This is 18. Hey, so look at you. This is our Do you have fourth to break out the freak- fingers for that one? Yeah, fourth season doing the uh, nuts. Uh, it's good, though. It's been growing. So if you guys haven't listened to it, uh, Dave and I will talk about all teams in the Pac-12. And obviously, we know USC and UCLA a little better, but we get some great questions. We get some uh, good feedback. We get some good guests. So uh, Pac-12 podcast, uh, just google podcast of champions and that's where we are but david thanks again uh for coming on no problem ryan thanks guys all right again thanks to david for coming on and previewing usc ucla we had some other questions uh left over that were sent in this week for the podcast i'll try to answer those real quick just so you know make sure you check out the you've got questions we've got answers column up from dan weber uh we didn't get to all of the questions specifically for dan i think like 10 or 11 of them were left over so uh, he put those up in a column, and you can check that all out on uscfootball.com. Okay, it's got, we got one from Dino. Hey, Ryan, I was just wondering who you think the most realistic coaches for USC to go after if they fire Helton. Could we flip Chris Peterson or Kyle Whittingham? If not, who can we get? Um, yeah, I, I don't really want to speculate on coaches at this point because like, odds are I think Clay Helton's still going to come back. Um, I don't think Chris Peterson or Kyle Whittingham would work. Um, I think Kyle Whittingham is very, they both people that are happy in the positions they already have, but they're you know very successful coaches if USC was going there. But those, again, even those are just people you're familiar with. I would like to see if USC does have an opening, go out, get someone who's been successful somewhere else, not necessarily in the Pac-12. But USC had a chance to get Peterson and wouldn't give him what he wanted, which is autonomy. So, uh, and Obviously, we don't know at this point. My gut would be that Lin Swan goes after uh, like a Jack Del Rio. That would probably be the first name that comes up on my list. But uh, obviously, we don't know. And Clay Helton is the head coach. So we're going to go on with that. Don, is Helton trying to get the squad down to sanction period size? Helton's main attribute is he supposedly is a good father figure. Why are all these players getting into trouble with such a great father figure? Is Helton a fraud as a coach and a father figure? I think Dolly Parton said it best. Lord, just give USC a good coach. I don't think she said that, Don. 
Ryan, we need you to use your clout. Get rid of Helton. Okay. One, I don't have the clout to get rid of anybody. Uh, so sorry, Don. I, I, there, I don't have any clout like that. Um, yes. No, I think he is a good father figure. He's a really good guy. He, he is like people hate hearing that because, oh, you don't like the way he's coaching, but he is a really good guy. So, um, you know, players get in trouble and his style is not to go into any more detail. I don't think his style is to, um, do anything that would push back on what the university would say about somebody. I think other coaches, maybe the more established ones, if they, they feel like maybe a player is being wronged and I'm not saying, you know, for the Levi Jones thing, right or wrong, whatever, but if a coach felt that way, and sometimes they didn't, if the coach just felt like he's a good player, I want to try to save him. Some coaches do that. You obviously, if you know, you're doing something terrible, you should be punished for it. But if it's not that terrible, but you're still getting like overly punished, uh, I think coaches would definitely stand up and try to do something. I don't think Clay Helton uh, is really in that position to do those sort of things. He's more of a, that's a university matter. Let them handle it and just tell me who can play and who can't. So um, no, don't. I don't think you want to take personal shots at Clay Helton because you don't like the way the team is going. This is from Yee. Uh, thank you again, Ryan, for the great work. Really appreciate the efforts from your team to keep us well-informed of almost everything of USC football. I'm an immigrant, so I'm curious how bad-looking it is to the US in, in the U.S. to chant, quote, fire someone during a game. I found this a uh, is a very common... I found this is very common in Asian and European soccer leagues, but not in the U.S., at least not in L.A. Yesterday, there were around five people chanting fire Helton in the student section. I hoped more could join. Imagine if thousands of people chanted, quote, fire Helton. How much more pressure would Lin Swan and the administration would get? Thanks for me. Um, yeah, no, I, th I think it's somewhat common. Maybe I'm not really familiar with the soccer leagues in Asia and Europe. Uh, you know, maybe it's more common there. It was said around the tunnel a little bit. Um, I think you'll hear more of it if uh, he loses to UCLA, of course. You'd see a bunch of that. Um, I think back, God, I think there was Fire Helton. I mean, Fire Helton. Fire Hackett chants. I remember those. Uh, Larry Smith, there was a lot of that towards the end of his tenure at USC. Um, but... Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know if that would really put more pressure. Lin Swan already hears about it, and he doesn't care. Like he doesn't want to hear it. Like he doesn't want to hear, and he is hearing it from the fans, and that's not what he wants to hear. What will matter is not a bunch of students or fans in the stands yelling that. It would be the people writing the ten, twenty million dollar checks uh, for the renovations of the Coliseum, saying, "Nope, I'm out." Uh, that's, I think, what would matter the most. Andrew in West LA, not sure if this is suitable for the podcast, but you mentioned on yesterday's show with Coach Hyde that the recruiting team at USC is already small. I heard on Saturday at the game that Alex Rios, a.k.a. the USC mayor, has left the program. Do you know anything about this? I know he played a significant role in recruiting for SC, so will the coaching staff bring any more people since the recruiting is the number one priority right now? Andrew in West LA. Yes, Andrew, I've heard of that too. Uh, I... Uh, Alex Rios, I talked to someone close to him and he told me that that was happening. It might've been a month or two ago. It might've been a while ago. They don't have a huge recruiting team and, uh, you know, and, and losing one, you know, I think Alex is a great guy and I think that certainly would, would hurt them. I haven't heard of 
more people being replaced. There was other people that left, and I don't know if they were replaced. So it's a smaller team, Andrew, and I think that's something that certainly needs to be addressed. I think right now Clay Hilton is just focused on you know, getting through the season and trying to beat both of his rivals. But that's certainly going to something that's going to come up afterwards. Like, hey, you know, recruiting is going to suffer. You have half the staff that doesn't really recruit or at least recruit on a part-time basis. You need to go in and, and get some guys. So uh, replacing a guy like Alex, and I don't know where he, he went. I'll have to try to reach out to him and see where he is. But I did hear that from somebody very close to him, uh, like I said, probably a month or so ago. But uh, I haven't really followed up on it since then. But yeah, You've heard correctly from what I was told. Uh, Eric and Duck Country, if the board of trustees thinks that there are other issues more important than football, wouldn't hiring a new, successful, proven, micromanaging coach take pressure off of them and give them one less thing to worry about? Thanks, as always, Eric and Duck Country. Yeah, but I think that's what they feel like they had with Helton. They had someone that they don't have to worry about, that they'll just go forward. He's not going to get them in trouble and just you know keep the team decent people show up uh you make money and move on they i don't i don't think the priority was go out and win a national championship at all costs i mean i know the priority was not that but the priority was going to be just keep everything rolling along and that'd be fine the problem is five and five is not fine it's that gif of the the dog sitting in a house that's on fire and saying everything that's fine that's what it feels like around usc right now so yeah, there's more pressure on them. They would rather just have him win the next couple games and then you just kind of move on. Um, the problem is he's playing himself, this team, into a position where everything isn't fine and they can't just go status quo. So we'll see kind of what happens go from going from here. But yeah, I mean, if you hired someone else, I mean, that just the hiring process would cause a whole bunch of turmoil, a whole bunch of problems. After it was all done, if you happen to get somebody that everybody liked and that was great, yes, it would it would uh, slow down things and make it more stable. But between then or now and then, it would be the opposite of stable. It would be a crazy. And that's what they're trying to avoid. Uh, this is congratulations, best Twitter comment. Accurate, concise, and damning. Uh, this isn't signed. I forget who sent this. Um, okay, so that was talking about my tweet that if you reversed every major decision that Pat Hayden, former USC athletic director, made, USC would be in a much better spot. And I stand by that. I think that's completely fair. Um, the the Coliseum renovation, I think, is going to be just not ideal. It would do better to have done something else. Um, that just started down this road and 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 gone from there, though. I think a lot of that was Max Nikias, too. Uh, but you know, you had two interim coaches. You would have been better off keeping Ed Orgeron as opposed to Clay Helton. You did the exact opposite. You know, hiring Steve Sarkeesian, one of the worst decisions you could possibly have made because not only did you, you know, put a, a coach that's only going to last a year and a half in your system and then you bring in Clay Helton after that, but you allowed Washington to get Chris Peterson. So big mess. I mean, there, every decision that was huge, He's made the wrong one. So, uh, yeah, uh, just a bad, 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 bad track record as USC is athletic director. And a guy who thinks he's always the smartest guy in the room, which he's an extremely smart guy, but doesn't mean you just, just because you're smart doesn't mean you make good decisions. He made decisions for the wrong reasons, not what was best for the university, what was best for the football program. He made decisions for other reasons 
to be more familiar, guys like Sark, things like that, not wanting to rock the boat, not wanting to bring in someone super powerful. All those decisions were made by a smart man, but they were completely the wrong decision. And obviously you're seeing the results of that now. Uh, after Toa's snap, I thought that JT was hesitant the rest of the game, mainly concerned about the snap before he could concentrate on the play call. He has been put in a terrible situation and he must be frustrated as hell. Any comments? Yeah, no, I think that's a, an interesting point. I didn't notice that, that he was a little hesitant, but I think I would be. Um, something like that was was happening. It makes you take your mind off what you really want to do. If the snap is just always there, that's it's something you're not even thinking about. Um, and obviously that's something that JT Daniels has to think about. Text uh, question, point blank. This team is really unlikable. I pity Cam Smith and Port Augustine. I scratch my head at what Biggie Marshall does sometimes. Uh, and I unequivocally hate everyone on the coaching staff. That seems pretty strong. Uh, what do you think the most unlikable SC team of all time is? B in the Bay. I'm really terrible with the all-time questions because it's hard to kind of think about that. But this is definitely, I, would, I don't know about unlikable because there's a lot of likable people. Clay Hilton's a very likable guy. I mean, there's I like T. Martin. I, I like a lot of people on the staff. I wouldn't use that term, but it's not a fun team to watch. It's not a, as far as like like the team itself, no, I don't care for this team. It just, it doesn't feel, it's not a fun team to follow, to watch to go along with. And it's just, it's tough, but I I wouldn't say the people are not likable. I won't, don't hate the coaching staff. I like most of the people uh, on the coaching staff. Um, I don't like the jobs that some of them are doing and I don't like the way this team looks. So yeah, it's not a, a likable in a team sense. It's not something that you, this is not a team that you're going to embrace. Like there've been teams that have been up and down or bad or whatever that, you would like because of some of the character and heart and stuff that they showed. Um, you know, Pete Carroll's first team at six and six still had Troy Palmalo and Carson Palmer and, you know, like Sonny bird running the ball and stuff. Like there were some fun things, likable things about that team that was struggling to turn things around. This is a team that was good. That's kind of turned the wrong way and has a lot of talent. So when you're talking about underachieving teams, it's hard to like them because, yeah, I mean, they're underachieving and uh, that's not, you like overachieving teams that maybe don't do that well, but they're overachieving. This is not that. This is the exact opposite of that. Okay, then we'll end on a text message from Sir Eric of Troy. Uh, he writes out, fight on, and the word, the letters stand for feverishly initiate getting Helton's termination over with now. That's from Sir Eric of Troy. Interesting text there okay um it's uh yeah we got through the questions uh you know we have a couple we had a couple uh there you go. there's a couple for harvey hyde and dan Weber. i'm gonna because they're before the game i'm gonna read these now too just get them out of the way because um i know they're for these were specifically for coach and, and dan but i'll just knock them out now because it's before the game we don't want to talk about stuff pre-game after the game most of the questions we want to talk about are going to be post-game Harvey Hyde question. Uh, my question is the lackadaisical approach to firing Clay Helton. It just seems so simple and an easy decision. I understand the fact that there's no president in place, but you can almost hire anybody and have better results than what we are getting now simply off of changing the practicing habits. It's always said that the team, 
will be at its peak of a new coaching regime by the third season. This is Coach Clay Helton's third season, and the team has been declining each of those three years and now doesn't have a superstar to carry him, Dory Jackson, Sam Darnold. I live in the South, and there is no way that having the fourth ever, I'm saying fourth highest rated roster in the country and looking like USC looks would ever be tolerated, even by the most non-big-time schools in the Big 12 and SEC. All of the chatter going on about if Clay Helton should be fired is embarrassing on behalf of USC to the rest of the country and shows that USC does not take at all take football seriously if they're still questioning this. How will uh, we will quickly become the laughing stuff of college football to the masses? Your thoughts, Jimmy. Okay, Jimmy. Um, so look at the results that Clay Helton has results on his side, not this year, but he has a Rose Bowl and a Pac 12 championship. And he had won every game at home and he had won the games he was supposed to win. So before the season, there was a lot of good things that Clay Helton did. Now, yes, they got blown out by Notre Dame. They got blown out by Ohio State. Um, you're looking at those things and that's that's not passing the eye test. So results on paper still look good. You still had reasons. You even have reasons for this season saying, oh, there's a freshman quarterback and all that stuff. Now, I agree with you. I don't buy those reasons. The, the eyeball test was this team wasn't playing up to its potential because they do have the fourth-ranked uh, roster in the country behind Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia. Those teams are all in the top five. Those teams are all really, really good. This USC team is not. They have the material, and they haven't put it together. So the results this year um, without like a Sam Darnold uh, saving you, which you know, a lot of the naysayers are saying, I mean, I, I'm buying into it now. I'm agreeing with what they're doing now. Um, the offense doesn't, it looks broken. It looks like it needs a superstar to just run it for you because there's players everywhere um, and we're not seeing it. I like JT Daniels a lot. I'm not as critical as some of the other people are. I'm more critical of the offensive scheme, the play. I don't care who's calling the plays. It's the design of the plays that I have an issue with. And it just doesn't look like, I don't think it's T. Martin's offense. I think it's a, some bastardization of what Kiffin and Sark ran and Clay Helton you know, is still running it. So it's more of a collection of plays to me than a cohesive offense is, you know, for me, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not some football guru that understands all, you know, every X and O out there, but just from a lay person's view, that's what it looks like to me. And I've talked to people that are more expert than me and, and they said the same thing. So I, I don't feel my gut feeling about it is all that off. Now that that's just kind of what I'm saying here. So, um, your priorities for what you want for USC football is not necessarily what the administration wants. If if USC wanted to win a championship, if that was the most important thing, they wouldn't have hired Lane Kiffin, they wouldn't have hired Steve Sarkeesian, and they wouldn't have hired Clay Helton. Like that's more of hiring people that you like and you're familiar with that aren't going to go crazy and you hope that they'll win. Not the reason we're hiring this guy is because we know. He's got this approach, he's got this plan, and he's going to win. Clay Hilton was a, a pretty good assistant coach under pretty bad head coaches at USC, and he still got the job. The resume just didn't match. So I think you're along the same lines. Is like That's not necessarily what the priority is. Right now, with the Board of Trustees, they have a lot of other bigger fish to fry. So they would rather not deal with this problem. But... Most fans are like, hey, you know, that's great. You're getting sued by all these former patients and things like that. But I want the football team to be good. So um, I think, you know, you might get your wish. 
Uh, you might get something to happen if, you know, depending on these next two games go. But understand, like, yeah, it might be a national joke, but that's just not what, from what we were told many times, the biggest priority for USC right now. Uh, these are a couple of questions that were for Dan. Uh, we just, put, like I said, we just put up the column of Dan's questions. Uh, these ones came in later than that. So I'll just answer these now too, and then we'll move on. Dave, I'm a longtime season ticket holder and I also travel to two to three road games per year. This is the least enjoyable USC team to watch in a long time. They don't play with passion. They have no confidence. They make the same mistakes again and again. They are simply difficult to watch. Who's to blame? Dave, no, that's kind of what we were saying in the other text message. Um, it's not, it's not like, I guess, a likable team, but I, it's a better way to put it. It's not enjoyable to watch. Like, you don't get joy um, from watching this team. And, you know, I did get to watch the Cal game as just a, going in as a fan, just as a regular person, because I didn't work it. It was my 25th reunion and it was my, you know, homecoming and all that stuff. And, it, you know, it wasn't fun to watch, you know, but I had fun because I haven't done that in a while. And you lose a lot of that, that fun from being in the media because it's a job and you, you're looking at it for more of a critical eye. Not that fans don't, but, you know, I might be looking at what kind of column I'm going to write or who am I going to interview. So it, it's definitely different. But uh, like our friends at Raina Troy, Alicia Deratola, like I know she's, you know, looking at that for, you know, she still gets some passion from this and and, and fun and enjoyment. And she said the same thing. It's just, it's the, the most unenjoyable. I think she said it was the most unenjoyable team that she can remember. And I, you know, I, I can see it. It's just not that fun. Uh, who's to blame? I blame the coaches. I mean, it's just not, these were, there were bad decisions that were made. There were assistant coaches that should have been fired last year that weren't. Um, you've prolonged things that didn't need to be prolonged. There's people that could be playing that aren't playing. There's rotations that could happen that aren't happening. Um, there's a lot of issues that were fixable uh, that you could have this team being two or three more wins easily. Still not like feeling, do you feel great about this team? Would you st feel great if it was a seven and three team instead of a five and five team going into the Notre Dame, Notre Dame game? No, but you'd have a better chance or a good chance of winning the Pac-12 uh, South at that point just by fixing some uh, some of the mistakes. But I don't think that would change the overall makeup of this team. There's some flaws that are just by design. And that, to me, is what makes the team not enjoyable. All right, the last one from Kingsley. If Coach Helton is let go, I heard a name suggested, Clemson's Brett Venables. He has a contract for $2 million a year for five years, plus bonus making $11.6 million. He has a great coaching record, uh, right age, but might not be interested. We, USC, could sweeten the pot and win him over. A gamble? Well, how bad could it get? It's only money. Three years at 2.6 to 4 million a year with bonuses for championships, bull berth, and national championship. We are SC. We should be a dominant team in the NCAA instead of a doormat and laughingstock. Of course, we have no say. Fight on. Enjoy all the insights and thank you from Kingsley. Yeah, that's a certainly of, of any assistant coach. I think that's probably the only one I would even think of because that's someone that other people want. USC just doesn't hire people that other people want. Uh, Brett uh, Venables is someone that other people want, but it's a risk because you know that he's a he's an assistant coach. He's not a head coach right now. I think USC's done that. I think you'd rather just go get an assistant. I mean, a, a, a sitting head coach. Um, I don't think you could get him for two point six million a year. That's not happening. He already makes two just as a without the pressure. He's just a defensive coordinator, not just, but he's not a head coach. So you're talking five million a year or something to do that. 
uh, to get someone like him, I would guess. Um, you know, USC hasn't paid big money since Pete Carroll was around. So that would be a change in philosophy and stuff too. But yeah, that's probably the only like non-current head coach that I would listen to is is him as far as assistants and stuff go. But he's, you know, that's a big name. That's a, that's a name other people would want. So I'm willing to listen to that. Just, is it someone other people want? Or is it someone that USC finds attractive because it's USC? You Like, no one was really finding Steve Sarkeesian attractive. Washington was about to fire Sark when USC hired him. Um, Lane Kiffin was at Tennessee, but it wasn't like people were beating down his door. Uh, you know, he wasn't the sought after guy that everybody wanted. It was just Lane Kiffin coming home. And certainly Clay Helton, no, no major program out there was going to hire Clay Helton as their head coach, but he was at USC. So USC did. Um, so get somebody, if there's an opening, if that happens, uh, get somebody that other people want and preferably someone that doesn't know the fight song already. So it, just base it on a resume, base it on accomplishments, not who you know, base it on what you've done. So that's, that's what I'm going to leave you guys all with. All right. Well, that's our preview episode. Thanks to David Woods uh, for coming on. I think this is my third hour in a row of talking. So my voice is about dead, but I hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the Peristyle Podcast and enjoy the game this weekend. We will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 